Welcome to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, sponsored by Markel, the insurance with horse sense. Let's jump right in. This is Austin with the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, and today I have with me Paul Kostel, founder of We Love Arabian Horses. Paul, uh, welcome to the podcast. I know that you've been doing a ton of interviews for us, but uh, I thought it was important to get you on the other side of the microphone. Well, hey, Austin, I appreciate being here and uh, we love sharing the message. Thank you. Absolutely. So, Paul, you've got a pretty significant background in, in Arabian horses, but as every podcast starts, why don't you tell us how you got started and uh, what's kept you going? Well, you know, my mother says that the first word out of my mouth when I was a wee little baby was the word horse, which she would have preferred that I had said mom. But apparently from very young, I seem to love horses and my mom's best friend um, happens to be big and they had Arabians and Saddlebreds back then. And they um, had helped her get me hooked up to a lesson program in the Houston, Texas area, which happened to be Gwen Nix, who's very, um, she's now deceased, but a very, very regarded equitation instructor and her husband, John, and them, and she ran a really nice barn there in the Houston area. And we trained out of there as we got started. And I was five or six when I first took my lessons and it took the first horse that I actually bought was an Arabian horse. And they had guided me to an Arabian instead of a saddlebred. And here we are today. I've been a big fan of Arabians my entire life. And you know, share the passion just constantly. It's just a magnificent um, community that we live in, and I have enjoyed being a part of it. We showed when we were kids, my sister was involved, and then we both went to college. My mom wouldn't let me have any horses while I was going to school, but as soon as I got out of college and got a real job, I bought my first Arabian on my own, um, and the rest is history, as they say. I've just really enjoyed it. And I've also along the way been very involved in the club activities and then the regional activities. I became the president of the North Texas Arabian Horse Club and then director of Region 9 um, and then numerous committees with AHA and others. And it's been a, you know, quite an interesting journey for myself. Yeah, you have a wide breadth of experience and uh, and knowledge too, right? Um, I'm going to throw the one out there that you didn't is that uh, you're a, a national level judge. And I think that you've judged a fair amount, not only uh, within the United States, but all over the world. Yeah. Well, yes. And that's been another thing that I very young, as soon as you could apply to become a judge, I started when I was 21 and I loved it. I learned or judged, I think 20 different shows. And I started judging fun day, one day shows um, before I had my judges card to get more practice. And um, today and over the years, I've been able to judge the U.S. Nationals numerous times and other national shows of the countries around the world. Um, and it's it, the judging part of my experience has been a very phenomenal piece of my own education. And I, I love it. And I love being educated and learning more every time I go to participate in anything. It's really a component of how we all get better. Yeah. And I can tell you that from my part, I've learned the most from Judges that I've had the opportunity to work with or speak with, uh, you know, related to horse shows or not, there is no person that's more equipped to answer questions about the Arabian horse and, and be a space of general knowledge than uh, folks who have backgrounds like yours. So from one person that loves them to another, thank you. 
Well, it's good. And, you know, it's, I think it's really given me an, a, a, a view of education and why education is so important for all of us. And with We Love Raving Horses, education is one of our critical components. But, you know, as a judge, you're constantly learning new things. If you want to stay up to date and what's going on and not just the rule book itself, but just the the conversations about this horse versus that horse or styles of showing and all of that, the breeding programs and whatnot, I think you need to be really current and relevant. And those things require an ongoing knowledge of education and, and learning from others, like you said, kind of mentoring. And I still learn every time I go and judge a horse show, I come away with something I've learned from my fellow judges or others. And it, it, it sends me back home with more knowledge than I had before I got there. Yeah, that's really neat. And you kind of mentioned it, but the reason that we're all here is, is you got to, uh, you got, we love Arabian horses started. Can you tell us a little bit about how you, how you started it? Uh, what the idea was behind it? Yeah. You know, this was back in 2017. So we've been around for five years and literally kind of on a lark. I just one day kind of culminated in deciding that we needed a faster, better structure for creating marketing programs to market the breed. Um, I felt like the world was changing and that was five years ago. It's changing even more at a rapid rate today than it was then. And I felt like we needed to have better marketing programs for the Arabian horse. And at that time I was talking mainly about the USA, but this would apply globally as well. And I felt like um, kind of a generic promoter of Arabian horses meaning we love raving horses is not one particular farm or any particular individual or individuals. It, it's, it's like the, the milk council or the, the potato board, they promote for milk and potatoes as an independent third party that promotes for those industries and categories without any specific brand attached that is a producer inside that category. And it was Carol Nirenberg that kind of nailed that for me when we were talking one day, and she's been a very big advocate for what we do. And she said, Paul, this is kind of like the Beef Council, but for Arabian horses. And I I really hadn't thought of it that way before, but that's what we do. I mean, we're an independent agnostic community that promotes the Arabian horse in all facets. And our goal is really to share that message with as many folks as we can to bring them in and give them the touch point with an Arabian horse live and in person that would have them get excited and then plug them into say a lesson program, or if they want to ride a cutting horse, you know, where's the nearest cutting um, facility that they could get involved with. So it started out that way. And I built the brand, meaning the logo and the other elements that go with that and all the social media elements, and then started building the website. And over time, it's just become um, you know, 10 times greater. And I think that the um, the need for what we're doing is significant. Most everyone I talk to is clearly on board with the, the need for better marketing in the business. And when I say that, it, it has to be marketing that can move quickly, right? Sometimes we would get mired in committees that it would take eight months to make a decision when we needed a decision in eight days and to be able to take action on things much more quickly and nimbly. Yeah, so you're building in an agile space where, uh, you know, historically we've seen a, a fair amount of red tape kind of slow things down and, and we don't necessarily live in a world that can operate at that speed anymore. No, and when you're talking about rule changes or other things like that, I can see the need for the bureaucracy and levels of approval. But in the marketing world today, you really got to move quickly. And we've certainly seen a lot of that with the shifting even this last five years 
um, in terms of immediacy. I mean, you can have a message out to your followers, whether it be 10,000 or 100,000 people, literally instantaneously through social media. And I, I wanted to have a community that was founded in volunteers, kind of like a big Arabian horse club, but virtual. And folks could operate from their homes and do what they do, but then put those programs into place locally um, without having to have seven committees review each thing. So it was the nimbleness was cr critical in terms of speed and deliverability. And the brand really supports all the disciplines and all the different facets of the breed from little kiddos all the way up to the adult amateurs and folks that don't even show, right? Folks that are in the breed have a, Arabian horses and they love Arabian horses, but they might not be in the showing community. And how could we touch them in such a way that they then are inspired to want to share the Arabian horse in their communities with more assets that would help them do that? Yeah. And that makes a ton of sense. I have been involved in We Love Arabian Horses for, oh, it looks like about two years right now. <laughs> And I can tell you that the one thing that I have learned is so much outside of the show ring. My, my background's primarily in the show ring. And I have learned more than I can think of about working Western and endurance and so many other pieces and aspects of how our horses interact with uh, just regular people and how you can really enjoy something uh, that is much bigger than just maybe a, a horse show in Scottsdale or in Tulsa. Well, I think we we main ring people really think that the main ring is the only thing. And it's not because we're ignorant or we're not paying attention. That's just where our focus is. But there's there's a enormous crowd of folks out there that have Arabian horses that aren't showing at the class A level or higher. And they have fun with their horses. We have our ambassador contest, which I know we'll talk about in a minute. But a side note is most of the competitors in our contestants, I should say, in our contest, they are not class A level showing folks. They're folks that have Arabian horses and they like to go to parades or they like to go to the tractor supply or they like to go to the school library. And that's how they have fun. And they don't necessarily have any interest in showing um, either class A or higher. So the, the, the spreading of the message to a broader community touches a lot of folks who are not necessarily members of our local clubs or even our national organization. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been my experience, especially since joining this group. You've talked a little bit about it. We Love Arabian Horses was recently uh, a cert certified as a nonprofit and has a pretty well-defined mission to go and, and expand the pieces for the Arabian horse. Uh, how would you define that in your own words? Well, the the mission in my mind is, is, is really three things. It's it's education that draws to outreach, right? So you, you're educating people. And we're, we just talked about educating judges. Those are people that are obviously very deeply involved in the business. But even when you're starting out, you get education by how do you find a lesson program or, you know, learning to be with a horse or even lead a horse. All of these things are part of education, even at the lowest levels, the beginning levels. Right. So education is really, I would call our foundational word, but then using education as the catalyst to create outreach. And then with outreach, the third component is we can't do all the outreach ourselves as we love Arabian horses, but we can empower others, either individually or groups of people like clubs or farms to have assets that they don't necessarily have on their own to create the outreach that they need. So 
education and outreach um, and then resources are really, I think, our three key components. Now, We Love Arabian Horses last year was certified as a nonprofit. Do you mind telling me a little bit about the reasoning uh, behind that and what the path forward looks like? You know, Austin, in the beginning, there really, I didn't see the immediate need at that time for a nonprofit. So we did start um, the nonprofit application process, which I'm sure you're aware and many of our listeners will know it's it's quite tedious with the IRS here in the USA. Um, but I it became very obvious that we needed to have the nonprofit. Um, and luckily we found a fantastic um, firm here in the in Texas to help us get the nonprofit. Once we got all of our application materials completed and to the IRS, they had prepared me for a nine-month waiting period, which would have put us about June or July this year. And we got our nonprofit approved by the IRS in six weeks, which my lady that handled all this was astounded. Um, so it really became a critical component to our growth. It gives more credibility to the organization, and it really sets us up for the the fundraising and the sponsor opportunities that we need to do both with individuals um, in the community, but also with corporate uh, partners and others, they like having us have that nonprofit. So it's been a very um, critical moment for us. And we were very pleased. We also did um, a rating. There's third party companies that rate nonprofits. And we went through the process immediately with one of them and we get their highest level rating um, as a nonprofit for all of our finances and all of that other information, which just adds another layer of credibility to what we're doing. So we've got quite a few platforms of We Love Arabian Horses. There's a website, social media, the Facebook page is super active, and there's more than one of those. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about how all of that is working together? Yes, we we started out with a Facebook page, and that's where we began. Then we added an Instagram page. Then I realized that we wanted to have a community inside of Facebook, which was easy to chat with people on an ongoing basis, but one that was private, not public, so that if we had some argument or some dissension or some back and forth debate about what we we're going to do about X, Y, or Z, that we would have a private community to do that and our friends wouldn't see, you know, the arguing that goes on social media so often. So we created the second Facebook page, which is We Love Arabian Horses, our WLAH Arabian Horse Ambassadors is what it's called. And that group has about, I think we're up to about 1600 folks in there, both in the USA and Canada and globally. And those folks are inside the community and we have conversations there about the contest or what we're doing or our podcast or how we can help clubs. And that way we have our contained community that is, is in a private mechanism to share ideas and chit chat without all of our friends seeing that. And nothing really upset me more in all this social media world than seeing all of our friends with Arabian horses having arguments publicly online. I just felt like that was not helping us then go out and have our friends want to join um, the community. So for us, we took the private and the public route with the social media pages on Facebook. We have Instagram pages. We have um, LinkedIn. We pretty much have them all, TikTok, et cetera. Some of them are just beginning um, to get structured. But, you know, we've got quite a huge following. We get a lot of activity on our posts. And that's the social media component. The website, just so you all know, I mean, it's a 165-page website. 
And that means you've got 165 pages that will show up on a laptop, they'll show up on a phone, on a mobile device, um, or an iPad. And every single exposure is an opportunity for someone to get connected to something that we're doing or want to inquire. And as of, say, a year ago, we were probably getting 10 to 20 inbound email requests off the website per week. And now we're averaging usually 400 to 500 inbound requests per week just from the website. So that's another component that we're giving a place people can go on the website to to then interact inside the community or get what they need, whether they're ordering stuff for their club, stickers and wristbands or banners or whatnot, or ordering stuff that they want to buy that has the logo on it or ordering the cookbook, right? So it's a real community-based, volunteer-based structure, and there's no cost to be a member right now. Um, we may add a membership in some point in the future, but right now it's free for people to participate um, and then if they're in a certain program that costs a little money to have to pay for it, like our ambassador contest, our contestants pay $29. Um, that is a separate individual fee, but otherwise all the elements that are included, all the educational programs are offered for free. In total, we have about 25 different outreach programs of one form or another that are um, constructed. And some of them are fully baked and fully functional and others are in the process of learning and developing and will be cultivated as we, you know, vet them out, so to speak. So we've got quite a few programs already built. And the two that are really the most visible to everyone is our podcasts. Um, so thank you very much for leading our podcast team. I appreciate that. Um, and the second one is our ambassador contest, which is putting boots on the ground in local markets all throughout the United States and now starting to be globally. Yeah. And I can tell you that the impact from just my life, the podcast has been very interesting and, and fascinating. I felt very happy to be a part of it. So I, I always appreciate the chance to uh, work with like-minded folks on, on a project like this. The podcast has been super transformative, in my opinion. Uh, that and the Ambassador Contest has been as well. Uh, and, and for me, they're, they're the primary pieces that I see most the, the most traffic around when it comes to We Love Arabian Horses. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about how these these two pieces in particular started? Yeah, you know, the podcast, we really have two audiences. We have the audience inside our Arabian horse community, um, which we need the power of the inside individuals who participate to make the current community in order to have the power to reach the external audience, which is those folks that we would like to bring into the breed. The podcast is really designed for that internal community. We provide educational interviews with folks on breeding and judges and other things that are very helpful information pieces. We also provide topics around um, current day issues that need to be discussed. And we have experts in the industry globally who have um, an invitation from us to join our podcast and talk about certain things. So that really is designed for an internal community. And conversely, the contest is uh, individual test and they have 25 different ways that they can earn points. Um, and then they earn prizes for putting the Arabian horse out there in their community, whether it be in-person events like schools and libraries or career days or going to the tractor supply 
or it is social media activity that they do. You know, one of our young ladies that participates now in the contest, she has built an entire Facebook page for herself, for all of her Arabian activities. And she is just genius. She's doing a great job. And that's just her own little outreach program. But that was inspired by the contest. And we love Arabian horses. So you've got a person out there. And this one happens to be up in New York. And all of her friends now follow her Facebook page about all of her activities with her Arabian horses. And just last year alone, she had three different friends reach out to her and ask how they could get involved with Arabians and want to take lessons. So there's just one example that has already tripled itself in terms of, you know, a, a result, bringing new people into the breed. Another one of our contestants, she has a very great relationship with her nearby tractor supply. And recently she was invited by them at their grand reopening. They did a big remodeling of the store. She was invited to bring um, her Arabian and her, her friend is also has an Arabian. And the two of them took their Arabians as part of the contest to this invitation request by the tractor supply. And they took them in the store. Some of y'all may have seen this on TikTok, she's reached 100,000 views and likes on TikTok from her video of she and her friend walking through the store, riding their Arabian horse inside the store. These are kind of fun, hilarious. They're good news. And by the way, the tractor supply completely approved the horses coming inside the store. I was like, oh my God, I hope we have the right insurance. <laughs> but it went well. And those two, you know, examples, the Facebook page and then the tractor supply are just elements of putting the Arabian horse into the community. That one lady who is the tractor supply um, connection, she also met a gentleman at the gas station one day because she was trailering her horse from one place to another and she stopped there to get gas. And this guy asked her about her Arabian horse. Well, it turned out he it was running some big car show in the area and he invited her to bring her Arabian to the car show. So now she takes her Arabian horse out to some local car show in Dublin, Georgia, and gets exposure to a whole new audience that hadn't wouldn't have happened otherwise. So there, we definitely have a slogan there that says something about a different kind of horsepower, right? Yeah, that she made that up, and I thought that was really cute, right? And the, the, you know, the contestants are so clever with what they're doing, and as they share ideas and they learn from each other. And most of these ideas, any one of them can copy because if you're in California and she's in Georgia, it's not competing. They're all just helping to share ideas to help make the, the business bigger and bring new people into the area um, and, and feed our lesson programs and feed the purchase of horses and, you know, getting to know um, individuals that could be participating getting to know individuals who could become part of the Arabian horse community. I think as a side note, we often focus on kids and lesson programs, which is an outstanding opportunity to put kids on horses. There is another audience that's also equally outstanding, and that's the 50 plus crowd. They either didn't have kids or their kids are grown and out of the house, and they now have a little more time and maybe a little more disposable income, and they want to have horses, and they have never had horses, or maybe they had horses when they were children, and now as adults, they are maybe married or single, and they want to have an Arabian horse. So there's a second audience there that is a very compelling audience for us to think about. Um, how do we reach them and how do we invite them to the kind of events that would then be entertaining to them, which would obviously be different than the events you invite kids to. 
But if you start looking at the different audience segments and how we're going to reach them and touch them, there are so many things that can be done. And it's really just a matter of time and resources to continue doing what we're doing and bringing the horse to individuals who then get that touch experience. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I think a bounce house would go off just as well at an adult event as it would a kid's event, but uh, maybe that's just <laughs> me. Um, so, I mean, We Love Arabian Horse has been growing quite a bit recently. What would you attribute the things that are helping the growth and helping the the program move forward? What's moving the needle for We Love Arabian Horses right now? Well, you know, I, I kind of think of it in stages. And if you look at any startup company, I mean, we're a business. We just happen to be a nonprofit business. You look at startups, they, they have stages of development and then they hit a level and then they, they take it to the next level. I think last year, for example, getting the nonprofit was a huge um, bonus, a huge win, and it really stepped us up a notch. Last year, we were major participants at Scottsdale, at Region 12, at Region 9, at several other regions and other horse shows. Right. So the, the the contact conversations that are happening inside the community just keep multiplying. And we have a number of folks like Debbie Kane who really helped me with sharing that message and talking to folks. So over time, more and more people really understand what we're doing. We're not just a social media page that's posting, you know, pretty pictures of Arabian horses. There's actually things to do, things to think about, and ways to get involved. And as we were just at the big Scottsdale show this year and then follow that up with the Arabian Breeders World Cup this past weekend, I mean, it, it couldn't be bigger and better. I mean, we're we're multiplying the conversations about why we need to do what we're doing and how important it is. And, and everyone that I speak to and others speak to, they get it. They understand and they know that we really need to uh, multiply the breed and our, our customer base um, could be so much larger. And those things are things that led have led us to where we are today, which is enormous growth. And the growth is good. It's just become a little overwhelming on, on one hand, but all that's good. We're getting more volunteers and more people that are helping with things that we need in terms of resources or financing to make our programs happen. And I think over time, we're just going to continue building exactly what we're doing now and and and, and scale them out. You know, I like to look at this as we we build a model of something that we're going to create, like these 25 programs. You take one of them, you scale it, or you build it the first time, you fix and tweak what didn't really work or what is working, make it work better and remove the parts that don't work. And as you do that, you get it to level two and then level three. And as then we have some proof and concept that it's actually working, then we can share that with others to do the same thing in their communities. And that's essentially what we're doing with all of these programs. And none of them necessarily are proprietary to us. We might have founded the first one, but we're happy to then share with clubs. There's about 202 last count um, Arabian horse clubs in the United States and Canada and I've been contacted by many of them asking how we can help them. And these are the challenges that they face in their area and their community. And then also globally, we're talking to the Canadian Arabian Breeders um, Association. We're talking to Brazil and Australia and others that are really honestly having very similar problems. So why can't we take what works in one area and apply it with modifications, of course, nation by nation, um, but, but help scale the business even on a global front. We call it local to global 
And that's our goal is putting Tara and Lauren and the tractor supply with their two Arabian geldings um, in Dublin, Georgia, but then also doing the same thing globally and, and sharing the what's been learned and what was learned not to do with anyone who wants to participate. And that could be a club, but it also could be farms. We have farms that we work with to help them host their seminars and their events and, and other organizations in the community that really help them do a better job as well. And we're all sharing with each other so that we all just keep getting better. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like the idea of, of working with these other groups because it's not a competition to see who can uh, market the Arabian horse best. I mean, we're not the only game in town when it comes to non-traditional ideas of outreach and getting back out into the community, not only domestically, but globally. We've been fortunate to have the Keystone Arabian Experience represented here on the podcast and other aspects of the Arabian Horse Promotional Fund. We've gotten to talk about some of the neat programs within the show industry, uh, like the AEPA, the AWPA, and hopefully in the future, the Hunter Program as well. Uh, but these groups are not competitors with us or with each other, right? Absolutely. You know, my one of my favorite words is collaboration. When you have limited resources for all of these individual groups, when we combine who we are together, still staying independent, but working together in collaboration, you end up with a bigger, better result for everyone. And we're absolutely not in competition with anybody. We want to help. We have worked with um, the Arabian, the APAHA. We're in conversations with the Arabian Horse Promotional Fund, which helped fund the Keystone event. We've done tons with the Scottsdale organization, Arabian Horse Association of Arizona, literally from day one. We just did a huge event with the Arabian Breeders World Cup. And now recently, we just launched three programs that are, well, programs that are already launched by the Arabian Horse Association, AHA. We are now very invested in helping those three programs grow, which is the Lucky Listener Program, the Meet an Arabian Horse Month, and Discovery Farms. So we are working primarily with the local level committee, which is a committee of AHA, of which their chair and vice chair also are part of our leadership team. And we're helping those three programs, which are AHA programs, be bigger and better by combining our resources so that we're all better because of it. So all of those groups that I just mentioned, and there are others, plus the global organizations, we're in conversation. We're looking for where we can assist, where they need help, and, and how can we collaborate to create a better result. And no, we don't have all the answers, but we're going to try things, and we're going to fail at some things, and we know that that didn't work, and we'll try something different. And it's the same thing with those organizations. Many of them have their own things that they do. And I laugh sometimes. I said I said recently to Peter and Lori Conway, our mission statements are probably nearly identical. But what you do to go about doing what you do is different than the what we go about doing what we're doing, even though our mission statement is outreach and growth. So any way that we get there is the goal. And those organizations, most of them have been very, very receptive from day one um, about us all working together. It's been great. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that kind of gets me into my last question here. Where do you see the Arabian breed going forward from here? What makes this marketing so important? We're in we're in the space of, of an immense change in, in, in our world, kind of both inside and outside of horses. Where do we go from here? 
you know, Austin, that's a million dollar question and I hope I have a million dollar answer. But the bottom line is the the the, the kids of today are are really um challenged with a lot of digital in their life, right? So there's fewer people living out in the country. Um, kids and adults are consumed by their phone, partly because it's just mandatory part of life, even if we wouldn't want it that way. It's just the way it is. So I think the dynamic of, of culture has shifted and it's shifted away from things like horses. There aren't as many people that have easy access to horses. Um, so we need to bring the horse to them. Um, that Goldie program, which was launched by the MDP committee of AHA, the big gold statues, and they painted them all, you know, everybody who buys one gets to paint it the way they want. I mean, what a beautiful way of putting a Arabian horse at a big public venue in downtown Austin, Texas, for example, with a plaque on it that says something. And there's a way for them to learn about the Arabian horse because that statue they saw is just there. Right. So it's stuff like that that gives us the ability to begin to reach more people. I think that the horse world is vibrant and yet we're really fighting a tough battle because there are so many people that are distracted by so many things in our culture today. The digitalization of our world has really had a big impact. So I think that we just keep putting the Arabian horse in front of the right people in terms of everything from kids in classrooms to moms and dads at their friend's farm down the road and a cocktail party. And we find ways to do that. And then we make sure though, that once they've had that initial exposure, that if they choose, there's an easy way for them to find out more. So one of the programs that we run and Debbie Kane runs this for us is we have a mentor program. So if you Austin went to a local party with your friends and you weren't in the Arabian horses and you were at an Arabian horse farm and you wanted to learn more, we'd have an easy way for you to get plugged in somewhere to do what it is that you want to do. And if folks make an outreach to us that they want to um, identify as a newcomer and get connected, one of our mentors will reach out to you and find out what you want to do. And then we'll plug you into something about where you're located and what your interest is to have you then connect to the Arabian horse for the second touch point. And that's a critical juncture. So the future, I don't really know, but I think that the value of what we're doing is critical no matter what. And growth is a critical component of what our industry, the Arabian horse industry needs to do from the local club all the way to the global economy. Can you give us any closing and final thoughts? Yeah, Austin, you know, really, this is a community organization. We're here to support the community and we're we're built by the community. The community includes some folks that I'd really like to um, say thank you to. Markel Insurance came on board very early on when we were just getting baked up to become our podcast sponsor. And they've been a huge partner and very, very um, important to our growth. Similarly, our contest, Ambassador Contest, is sponsored by... Um, equine athlete that came on last year and they were joined then by Royal Arabians this year. So we've got two sponsors for that. Our community is this organization and we can support the entire community from afar. People can do what they do with the We Love Arabian Horses, even from home. We've got about 50 different folks that have become a sponsor in one way or another, whether that's a business as a corporate sponsor or individuals or farms. And, and each of them is so important and so critical to where we're going and what we're doing. You know, even the wristbands that we do, we can't give them away fast enough. Oh my God, we buy thousands of wristbands and they're literally gone before we know it. 
And Lucho Guillermez has been a huge supporter of what we're doing. And he and his wife, Ashley, have been helping us pay for the wristbands, for example. These kind of things are so important to what we're doing. And I just really want to emphasize the importance of our organization inside the community and for the community to help grow the community. Right. So the the aspects of all of that from the sponsors, the volunteers, the leaders that we have. And as we grow, we'll continue to get bigger and a bigger structure without a lot of bureaucracy. We're intentionally trying to keep a business mind with less bureaucracy, but efficiency is our goal to continue doing what we're doing. And I appreciate you taking the time to interview me for this. And if folks have any questions, of course, feel free to reach out to me anytime and we'll be happy to get you connected one way or the other. And Paul, where is a good place to reach you? The best is my email at We Love Raving Horses. It's paul.costal, K-O-S-T-I-A-L at weloveravinghorses.com. That really is the best. If you want to reach out to me on Facebook, of course, you can find me there as well. And those are probably the two easiest, unless you have my phone number already and you're more than welcome to send me a text. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending uh, your Sunday evening with me, Paul. And hopefully uh, we get a chance to talk again soon, uh, potentially out there in your direction. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate it. This is Austin director of the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure that you click subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Comments, questions, guest ideas, feel free to send me an email at austin at welovearabianhorses.com or just use the contact us button on our website at welovearabianhorses.com. Thanks for listening.